morning sunrise. If you guys would like to come and we'll begin our worship. It's a beautiful morning. Let's give praise to God for it. All right, good morning. What a difference a week can make in Wyoming in the springtime. Isn't it amazing how much difference today is from we just have mud. We were in Casper this weekend and earlier this weekend, and, and I was amazed at how much more snow they got than what we did. And there's no, there's no dry ground in those areas yet. I'm sure Cheyenne is very much the same way. But at the same time, we're grateful for God's provision of moisture in the mountains and on the prairies and 
it makes for, for an exciting spring for the ag, ag people. So I want to just draw your attention to a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, this coming Saturday night is the Wild Game Feed at the Berean Church in Alliance. And if you'd like to go to that, that's always a really great time of fellowship. And, and as, as, as much fun as the fellowship is when you're there, the travel to and from with guys, a couple hours in a car going both ways is also really fun. And so if you're interested in going to that, you can contact Matt Parker. He's got all the information. Um, you can go and take a dish to um, participate in the contest, or you can just go and enjoy. So that's this coming Saturday night, and I want to make you aware of that. Um, also, I want to invite Megan to come forward real quick. And she's got an announcement and the results of the snowman contest. <laughs> Megan wasn't sure when she was going to come forward either, just like me in the music. Thanks, Brent. Good morning, everyone. Uh, all right, sorry. First of all, just a quick little plug. Next weekend, right after church, we're going to have what's called a family experience. It's going to be our first one. We invite any of you to stay that have kids within your circle. Any kind of a circle. If you're interacting with kids, we'd love to have you stay. We'll feed you lunch. We're going to do a little devotional time. We're going to play some games, do some worship, and really just help equip you for discipling your kids. So, we're really excited for that. We'll start doing these quarterly, um, so just be watching for them in the bulletin, and we'd love to have anyone stay that would like to. So we didn't have a ton of entries in our snowman contest, but I was excited to have the ones that we did. So what I did actually is, I know it's not the real world that everyone wins a participation trophy, but we did it for this week because I was thankful to get some kids doing it. So um, the following kids, I know I've seen this morning and are here. If you guys had come up and grab your prize. So we have Miss Jada Trumbull and Braley and Camden Valentine and Cole also, but they're in the, they're back in the smalls. So we'll get them. Maybe Braxton can come get it for them. Um, then we have Miss Brinley and Obi. So Brinley, you can get your brothers. Come here, girls. All right. Let me see what I got here. One sec, Miss Brindley. All right. Cam this one's for Camden. All right. Then we've got... This is for Obi. That's for Cole. Then we've got Jada and Braley. And Brinley. And then there's a couple that aren't here that we'll get. But I appreciate it. It was fun. Just something to enjoy the snow. And that's all I have. Thanks, Brent. One of the things that we have done since really the inception of Sunrise is to give opportunity for people to share their God stories. And it's always exciting to hear just the different paths that God has brought people through in their relationship with Him. And, and one of the things to me that is, is most striking about these stories is that it seems like when people are transparent and they share with us how God has worked in their lives and the circumstances that God has brought them through, 
um, that, that those stories resonate with people. And, and it's all of a sudden, it's like, I can relate to that. I've been there. I, I've, God's worked in me. And, and you have an instant camaraderie because God has brought you through something that someone else has went through as well. And so this morning, we're going to have Charlie Harshberger share his testimony via video. And the same thing is true. It's, it's, it's not about so much about what God has brought us from, but what God has rescued us from and the way that he's worked in our life. And so I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll share um, Charlie's testimony. Father, we're grateful, first of all, that you took the initiative to reach down to us. We deserve nothing from your hand but condemnation. And yet you, because of your love and mercy, uh, chose to make a way for us to come to you. And Lord, as we, as we hear Charlie's testimony this morning, it just again is a, reminds us that we all are a trophy of grace. We all are where we are because of your uh, mercy towards us and your not will, being willing to give up on us. And uh, I just pray this morning that as, as Charlie shares his story, that it would resonate And we would just give glory to you and stand in awe of the way that you work in people's lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, my name is Charlie Harshberger. Um, My wife and Julie are the greeters of church. At age five, my parents divorced. After the first year, I never saw my dad really very much, never even talked to him again for quite a while. Um, My mom got remarried. Um, The gentleman that she married, um, he he beat me all the time. If you, uh, oh, I was trying to think of the movie, but it kind of gets in a scenario, but uh, he'd take his belt off and and, uh, continue to... to, um, use it on me over and over throughout the two and a half years that um, they were together. Um, my body kind of was pretty hard. Um, my heart was very hard. Didn't know what the word love meant or was. Um, never, hardly ever said it. Uh, meantime, um, my mom, she, uh, gets a babysitter to, to watch me and his son, which when he was younger. This male babysitter molests us over and over, along with the, the beatings. Really didn't care to be alive. Um, it's multiple times that I tried to kill myself. Couldn't do it. She finally divorced him. I was so excited that she divorced him. We moved into a single apartment or a single house, single bedroom house. And uh, she didn't make a lot of money and we didn't have a lot of food. My mom was an alcoholic. She finally quit up until about 10 years ago. Um, finally quit. But then she, she liked her alcohol. And I fended myself. I learned how to scavenge food out of garbages and keep myself going. Um, I even started drinking my first beer when I was seven years old. Uh, started chewing when I was nine years old. 
like about that about 22 years ago, I think. Um, finally, my mom met a guy that I have huge amounts of respect. They got married. As soon as we moved to Lingle, she divorced him and she left me and I had no parents. Luckily, my grandparents took me in. Um, they did the best they could. They gave me a rip over the, my head, clothes on my back and food to eat. My grandfather taught me how to work. That's probably why I'm a workaholic. Um, still didn't know who God was. Didn't go to church. Didn't read the Bible. Didn't even own a Bible. Didn't own a Bible until uh, I graduated and one of my teachers gave me a Bible. Um, and I graduated. And I, a couple years later, turned 19 and started going to the bars and drank Monday through Sunday. Didn't care if I lived or died. Didn't have nothing to live for. Um, met my daughter's mom. We got married. Had Lacey when she was 23. There's some complications, and she's in the Nick ward for at least two weeks, maybe a little longer. Um, brought her home wasn't in our lives. We went to church once in a while. He wasn't in our lives. Um, he probably was, but my heart wasn't open and my eyes weren't open. After about a month and a half, my wife left me, left Lacey and I in middle of summer. And we had to, um, I had to learn how to be a parent real quick. She eventually came back about two and a half weeks later. And then uh, we had Taylor seven years after that. Um, I got divorced from her. My relationships were never, were never good. Um, tell people you love them, but without having your, your heart open and letting people in, you can't love, you can't love anybody. She took the girls, and I started drinking again. And then I met another lady and got married, which I shouldn't have. I didn't realize how wicked people can be to kids. And I'm just the opposite. I've been, I've been down that path, and I know what it's like to be beaten, sexually abused. No food in your cupboard to eat pants that are four inches too short, kids making fun of you because of the clothes you wear. I have a soft spot. I have a very soft spot for kids, and I want, I want the kids, every kid to have the best. Um, I ended up divorcing this lady, and I met Julie, who I'm married to, and I can tell God brought me what I needed. myself how could how could he allow this to happen to a child 
to say that he loves you. So, um, Julie and I, we, when we started dating, we got married, and it wasn't there much longer after that. Um, my, da- my daughter Taylor was in an accident. She ran her Volkswagen bug in the back of a loader. They um, ambulanced her to Torrington and then um, helicoptered to Scotts Bluff. When Julie and I made it to Scotts Bluff, this man out of nowhere came up and hugged, hugged me. And it was uh, Pastor Scott Mathis. I didn't know who he was. And uh, then I learned over time that he was the pastor of Sunrise Church at that time. I think Scott was there at the hospital almost as much as we were there. I was there 35 days straight. And he was there, I know, 20-some days. With that, my heart started my heart started opening up. I didn't, I don't know what brought this man to me, but we started going to Sunrise. Um, and um, through working through life groups and men, Christian men in our church, um, I started to see that those times when I was digging for food or just trying to survive, I'm just trying to survive the beatings or the sexual assaults or um, being bullied at school, teased. God was there. He didn't allow me to kill myself. I always thought that I wasn't strong enough to do it. But I know God was holding me back. Now, I didn't know then. Um, so go, going and learning the word of God, because I feel that I'm a baby Christian, because I never had the word of God talk to me or told to me. It's a joy to see all these young kids going to Sunday school. I didn't get that. And it's amazing the people that he puts in place to um, nurture and to teach these young children. Look at my daughter, Lacey, and my son-in-law, Anthony, and what they do with my grandsons, the three boys, is amazing. Um, My daughter, Taylor, and her son, and my son-in-law, Evan, and and my grandson, Ez, um, I pray all the time for them to come to church and uh, when I do get to see them when they do come and it's not very often um, it warms my heart uh, through all my trials and everything all this talk about God and what people were saying I never believed but it's true God is there, and there's a lot of times that God doesn't answer your prayers right away or speak to you. But if you give him time, have patience. 
He might be speaking around you. Yeah, open your eyes. Just open my heart. One thing that I've learned is how to forgive and ask for forgiveness and how to love. Pastor Tom Walker showed me how to do that. Um, the end of 2019, going to 20, I had cancer cut, cut out of my small intestine. When they sent it in, um, they said that uh, they didn't get it all. And now they tell me that my cancer is uncurable. And I'm okay with that. Because I know where I'm going. And I see how my grandkids are being brought up. Makes me happy. Um, my goal, and I leave this in God's hands, that I'll be able to see him graduate. But if not, I know my spirit will be here with him. Um, It's just amazing how people have come into my life that was telling me about God and, and, it was, and it was working on me and it opened my heart. And it's just amazing. So I, can, I can't give enough thanks for God for bringing my wife Julie into my life. She's an amazing woman. I think she's, she's one of them that has helped me over and over how to love, how to, how to be kind. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have changed anything. It, was amazing. it made me who I am today. Pastor Tom Walker gave this to me. I keep one in my office and one in my Bible. Lord, Lord, I choose to acknowledge that you own me today. You ask not only ruler of the universe, but also the ruler of my life. I ask you to sit on the throne of my life today. Lord, I believe I am dead to sin, so I choose not to be controlled by sin today. I choose to give you my body to control. Use my eyes, ears, tongues, hands, feet, mind, will, and emotions for your purpose and plan today. I choose to crucify my flesh today and let the Holy Spirit control me rather than my natural desires. Finally, Lord, I choose to take your armor and put it on today. I take your belt of truthfulness, your breastplate of righteousness, your shoes of peace, your shield of faith, your helmet of salvation, and your sword of the word of God, and stand firm in you today. Bring glory and honor to yourself through my life today. I am yours. Thank you. Amen.
chorus again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy
that all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal his children are really are. Against its will, all creation is subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. And there's just a lot of meaning that can be said in that. Those verses about where we're going and what we're in and what we can get through with his love. So let's sing that chorus again. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day. Better is one day. Better is one day, better is one day than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day, better is one day, better is one day than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your course, better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your course and thousands elsewhere, and thousands elsewhere.
the thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and to the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who hunger and all who thirst, all the last who will be first, all the paupers and the princes, all who failed you've been forgiven, all who dreamed and all who suffered, all who loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead, all who plans has been let down, all the lost you have been found, all who've been labeled right or wrong, to everyone who hears this song. He said, come to the table. trials and tribulations. We just thank you every day for everything you've given us. We know that you put struggles in front of us for a meaning and that you'll never put something in front of us that we can't get through. Let our church rely on each other and the love and support that we've got here and open our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Good morning, Sunrise. How is everyone? Good. I'm Ben Hager. I am one of the elders here. And uh, every now and then, um, we give, or Brent likes to take breaks, um, which is a great thing. Don't, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a great thing. So this weekend, um, a few of us, a couple of us have got to preach. Anthony Valentine preached last night, did an amazing job. And uh, so this weekend, it's my turn. And what an amazing week it's been. Don't you agree? I mean, we got a bunch of snow. We got some moisture in the ground. Now it's mud. But thank God for that. It's really going to make the grass and everything pop as soon as we get a warm-up. So super thankful for that. And another totally awesome thing, if you want to call it that, that happened this week, are stimulus checks. How many of you got your checks? Yeah, ain't that something? I mean, it's like free money, kind of. But how many of you spent it already? I don't see any hands coming up now. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's, it's kind of cool, but yet not cool all at the same time. And I don't know about you, but I know that my wife and I, for the last couple of days, have been looking at all sorts of stuff to buy. I mean, we got some money burning a hole in our pocket. We've been looking at trucks, 
campers. I've been looking at guns and knives and cool manly stuff like that. My wife's been looking at this big fancy printer thing to make shirts with. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that, that we want to buy. Knowing full well that that money should go to help us get out of debt or be given to someone who is in need far more than what we are. And so I just figured, and, and we've had this planned out, and this is just the way God works. This is an amazing time to talk about materialism. We just got our stimulus checks, so let's talk about some money. Let's talk about things that we have. Now, just like you, I've sat there and listened to quite a few sermons on materialism, and they've all been really good because they are all very, very convicting. And they've, they've shown me the things that are really needed in life and not needed. So after one of those sermons for a while, I'll do really good. I won't buy anything that I don't need, and, and I'll give more. But then something pops up that I just have to have. So I'll fall off the wagon, and I'll buy it. And let's face it, we're Americans. We like our stuff. And the more we have, the better it is. Because it's easy to buy things, right? It's just one click away. And buying things makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us feel powerful and in control, in charge of our lives. So before we jump down into God's word, I want to ask something. How many times does money and possessions get talked about in the Bible? Does anybody know? It's a bunch. I actually had to look this up, and I don't know if I quite believe this number or not, but I don't know because I haven't went through the entire Bible and counted. But I saw that money and possessions are mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible. That's a bunch. And I do know that Jesus told us over and over again about the dangers of money and possessions and what that can do to people. So back in Jesus' day, when he was here, it was kind of like the same as us right now. They thought that rich people had it all together, that their life was perfect. And they thought that the rich people were better, that they were more blessed by God, and, and that, that God really favored them more. And they thought that rich people had a free ticket to heaven. And that's what people thought about the rich guy in Luke chapter 18. And that's what we're going to be going through today. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. We're going we're gonna to read this story and uh, talk about this rich guy. And the thing about this rich guy is we find this story in three of the Gospels. So it must be an important one to go through. So let's just jump right in and start reading. We're going to start in uh, Luke chapter 18, going to go through verses 18 through 30. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. 
No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So let's jump back to the beginning of this and let's take a look at this rich guy. Right off the bat, we see that he calls Jesus good teacher. In that, he is comparing Jesus to other people. And Jesus responded, why do you call me good? There is only one who is good. Jesus wasn't denying that he was God. He just wanted the rich guy to confess and identify Jesus as the Son of God. And, and he gave the rich guy a chance to do that. And he didn't do it. And the guy asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He didn't realize that salvation was a free gift. That salvation is something that you can't work for and earn. Salvation is not what man does for God, but what God does for sinners. And jumping down into verse 20, Jesus said, You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Other, uh, honor your father and mother. And then the guy said, All these I have kept since I was a boy. Now, if there's anything in the Bible that you can roll your eyes at and kind of go, it's that verse right there. Now, now it says in, in, the, in the other Gospels that this young rich guy was also a religious teacher. And we got to give them credit. They were impressive men. For basically their entire lives, they, they studied the Scripture and for the most part, they played by the rules. But not even them, not even this guy, could faithfully follow the commandments. I mean, he's human just like us. A sinner just like us. So when he said this, Jesus said, when Jesus heard this, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. 
Jesus knew this guy. He knew what was in this guy's heart. He knew what this guy was lacking. He knew that he loved his money and possessions far more than he loved God. And the guy got really sad. In the other Gospels, it said he got sad and walked away. Do some of you, or all of you in here, I hope, do you remember when the Pharisees tried to trick Jesus and they asked him what the greatest commandment was? Who remembers that? Okay, so somebody say it. Right. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So what was this rich guy not doing? He wasn't loving God, and he dang sure wasn't loving his neighbor because he put his money and his possessions above that. Now, when Jesus asked him, go and sell all your stuff and then come follow me, don't get that confused with earning salvation. That's not what Jesus meant. You cannot go and sell all your stuff and then be saved because of it. So don't, don't be confused with that. What Jesus meant was sell your stuff so that you can put Jesus above all else. That's what Jesus wanted this guy to do. Jesus wanted to be number one in this guy's life. And that guy, he wouldn't do it. His money and all of his stuff brought him power and prestige And he wasn't willing to get rid of all that stuff to follow Jesus. He wasn't willing to get rid of that stuff to love his neighbor. He was blinded by his wealth, blinded by his pride and stature. So my question to you is, are there things in life that are blinding you? Are there things in life that are keeping you from following Jesus? Let's take a look at a few guys who did give it all away to follow Jesus. I want to read a couple stories out of uh, Luke chapter 5. And and this is uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisenerat, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it a little out from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. 
From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And look what they did. They pulled their boat up onto shore, and they left everything. They left their boat and their nets, and they walked away. They walked away from their only source of income to follow Jesus. You will fish for people. They might not have understood what Jesus was talking about at the time, but they completely understood love God and love your neighbor. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were fishermen. They were middle-class people like, like we are today. And they walked away from all of that to follow Jesus. They had jobs, they had houses, they had families, they had bills to pay. And they looked at Jesus and said and thought, you're more important than all of that. I'm going to follow you. I want to keep going down in in Luke chapter 5 and read about another guy. In verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything to follow him. Levi, also Matthew, had a really good paying job. Actually, he had an amazing job, worldly speaking. But he wasn't blinded by the money and the materialism. And he left everything he had sitting on that table. And he got up and he followed Jesus. Now, when these guys followed Jesus... I'm sure they had a lot of questions to ask. Now, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but I'd be willing to bet that these disciples asked Jesus how they were going to support their families, how they were going to feed their families and pay the bills. And if they did ask that question, I'm sure Jesus would have said something like this. Don't worry about it. Trust in me. And that is exactly what those disciples did. I mean, go back and and listen to what Peter's first words were to Jesus. Master. Right from the start, he called Jesus Master. And then a little ways down, he referred to him as Lord, identifying who Jesus was. The rich guy called Jesus good teacher. He didn't identify who Jesus was. And I can't help but to think that if the rich guy would have done that, Jesus might not have told him to go sell all of his possessions because he would have loved Jesus. But that didn't happen. He loved his stuff, his money, far more than he did anything else. These disciples put God first. And they followed Jesus. They got walked away 
from the normal life, so to say. They walked away from retirement. They didn't have retirement back then, but you know what I'm saying. They walked away from security, from money, from the worldly stuff to follow Jesus because they trusted in him and they loved him. Now, when we read down through these stories about people leaving everything to follow Jesus, it's easy to think that it was easy for them to do that. But it wasn't. It was actually really hard for them to do that. Back then, they didn't have it as easy as we did. You know, for us, we can quit our jobs, and for the most part, we'll be all right. We can put in for unemployment. We can put in for welfare, and we're still going to get a check. We're going to get food on our table. But not these guys. If they didn't work, they didn't get paid. But they trusted in Jesus far more than they trusted in their money and their possessions. I want to jump back to Luke chapter 18 and pick it up in verse 24. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Their culture, like like what I said in the beginning, was kind of like ours. Thinking that the, the rich and the prestigious have it all together. They thought that God favored them more and that they were better than anyone else. And that, like I said, they pretty much had a free ticket to heaven. But that's not what Jesus said. He said the exact opposite of that. And so all the other people asked Jesus, okay, if the rich can't get into heaven, then who can? And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. When we put Jesus first in life, above all else, the blessings that we get are unmeasurable. And when we give to help grow the kingdom of God, we will be paid back more than imaginable. That's how God works. That's what he wants us to do. And there's one thing that we have to remember. All that stuff that we work hard for, all that stuff we have, the garage full of stuff, the storage unit full of stuff, Who do you think gave us that stuff? Who do you think allowed us to get a good job? Who gives us money to spend? God does. 
So if he's the one that's giving, then rightfully so, it belongs to him. So with all that stuff we get, with all the stuff we buy, let's use it to help grow the kingdom of God and be responsible and good stewards of what God gives us. And the way we do that is by putting Jesus first, by allowing him to control what we spend, allowing him to control what we buy and what we do with our things. And let's face it, we all know this. There are so many things in life that can come in between us and God. Especially nowadays, there are so many distractions. It's so easy to get distracted and allow things to pull us away from God. And those things aren't always money and material items. It can be our jobs, our family, our friends, our health. And it can be what other people think about us. And actually, that is a huge distraction for us. Thinking about what other people think about us or caring about that can cloud our minds and pull us away from God. Because how many times on Facebook have you been scrolling down and you'll see a picture of a family who are out camping or out doing something real fun And they have all these nice things. They have a nice truck and a nice camper and a nice side-by-side. And you think to yourself, man, if I had that stuff, I'd be happy. I'd have life together if I could go out and get a brand new truck and a camper and a side-by-side. Oh, people would like me. Then I could post all these cool pictures on Facebook and get 200 likes. Oh, that'd be awesome. Speaking about that, I want to read to you a story in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. At that moment, Mary didn't care what Martha thought. Mary cared what Jesus thought. That's why she was sitting at his feet, listening to him. Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Like Martha, many people... Are, are so consumed with doing what they think should be done. And in the process of that, they miss what God wants. And if there is anything more important than serving God, it's being in his presence. 
So many times we get so wrapped up in the things that we need to be doing that we forget to take the time to be in the presence of God. So many distractions. Cars, money, jobs, our house. All of these things can distract us. And the thing about those material items that are so distracting is we need to remember that they're here today, but they could very easily be gone tomorrow. And that's why Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus isn't going anywhere. He can never be taken away from us. He will never leave us. He will always be with us. But so many things can interfere with that. So many things can distract us and come in between us and Jesus. And we know that when we die, we can't take anything with us. We came into the world naked, and we're leaving naked. So all that stuff that you have that can very easily distract you, can that help you to gain a better relationship with Jesus? And speaking about money and possessions, is that stuff really that valuable? Is it really a treasure? In the Beatitudes, Jesus said this about treasures. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I want each and every one of you to ask yourself this question. And this is the question that I've been battling with all week preparing this sermon. Are there things in life that we are putting above Jesus? Are we more concerned about spending this stimulus check than spending time with Jesus? It happens. We get distracted. It's so easy to do. And when that happens, we need to recognize it. And we need to follow Jesus. We need to get into his word and read about the disciples and read about this rich guy and help to put things in perspective. Because Jesus, he's willing to help each and every one of us. He wants to help us. He wants us to prioritize our lives. He knows that we get caught off guard. He knows that our brains get to going super fast and we look at trucks and campers and guns and knives and printers and all this stuff. And, I mean, that's okay. But it's not okay when we put those things above Jesus. 
So if you're struggling with anything right now, and I'm guessing all of us probably are, pray to Jesus and ask him to help you to prioritize. Because Jesus wants to be number one. That's where he wants to be. And that's where he should be. And when we put Jesus number one, then we can see things the way the disciples did. That the jobs and the materialism and the money doesn't even come close to comparing with the relationship with Jesus. Dave Ramsey said something that kind of went like this. Measure your wealth not by the things you have, but by the things that are not for sale and cannot be sold. I just want to take a minute in closing and tell you just how awesome God is. I mean, we all know that. So yesterday, and for most of the week, I was really preparing with this sermon. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was struggling so bad with this sermon because I get caught up in the materialism. I get caught up in all my stuff. And, and studying for this was super convicting for me. But I just want to show you something that is just so amazing, and, it, and it's so God. This is my girl's uh, devotion. And yesterday, March 20th, this is what it said. Philippians 4.11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Contentment is not promoted in the media today. From clothes, perfumes, technology, and hair stuff, even to books about God and new Bible verses. Advertising tells you there's lots of stuff that you need. Everyone fights, give it to me. Thoughts at some point in their lives, because we live in a world that puts a lot of importance on stuff. Many people feel that the people with the most stuff are the winners in life. God doesn't agree. Becoming more like Christ means finding that place of peace in your life where you're happy where you are and with what you've got. One of the reasons you can find that peaceful place, the main reason, is because you know you have God and he is enough. Everything you hear on television and read in magazines and on the internet, and maybe even what you hear from your friends, is bombarding you with the pressure to get more stuff. Having more stuff is a status symbol in this world, but it isn't a sign of success with God. In fact, success, as far as God is concerned, is contentment and peace with what you have. I spent a lot of time with Pastor Tom. And I know Tom preached on this, on, on these same exact verses. And I'll never forget one of the things that, that Tom taught. Tom said, want the things you have. And that is so true. When we want more, we get pulled away 
from Jesus. But when we want the things we have, it draws us nearer to him. When we want the things that cannot be taken away from us, is when we put Jesus first. Because Jesus is the only thing that cannot be taken away. So where are you standing today? Is there something in between you and God? Is that stimulus check burning a hole in your pocket? If so, ask God to help. Ask him to help you prioritize. And don't be like that rich guy. Don't get sad and walk away from Jesus. Kneel at Jesus' feet. Ask him for help. And realize that all that materialism, all that money, means absolutely nothing compared to Jesus. And one last thing I just want us to to think about, and I know we've all thought about this. When you're laying on your deathbed, is all that stuff really going to matter? Not at all. What's going to matter are the things in life that cannot be sold. Let's pray. Father, this is... um, a hard topic to talk about. You know that. That's why you talked about it so much in the Bible. And God, as Americans in this culture, we so easily get wrapped up in success. We get wrapped up in our monies, in our stuff, and we look at other people who have more than us, and we get jealous, and we think to ourselves, man, if I had that, Life would be so much better, so much easier. I'd be happy. But Jesus, that's not what you say. You tell us that happiness comes from a relationship with you. Happiness comes from being content with what we have. And so, Lord, just like you taught us how to pray, God, help us to thank you for all that we have because we know that it comes from you. And, Lord, I thank you for the blessings. I thank you for allowing us to be in this country that you have so richly blessed. And God, help us to be good stewards. Help us to give more to those in need. Help us not to be selfish and think of ourselves and put ourselves above others. Help us to love you and love our neighbor. Jesus, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Just a couple of things. I just want to tell you how exciting it is for me to see God using the younger generation. Um, I got to listen to Anthony last night. Just one of the things that he shared, just a phrase that stuck in my mind, is the stuff that I have, do I see myself as a manager or an owner? And there's just a profound simplicity about that question. And then Ben's statement today about how many things distract us. And there's a verse in, in 2 Timothy 1 that talks about Paul encourages Timothy to fan into flame those gifts that God has given. And as a church, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be encouraging those that we see have God's flame and God's gift to be using those gifts. And for most of you, it won't be standing up in front of a crowd. I I get that. But every single one of us has a gift. And every single one of us needs to allow God to use that and to grow us in that so that we can minister to the people that God puts around us. So that's exciting. The other thing is kind of cool. You want to know why the Word of God is living? Anthony talked from the same text that Ben talked from. Ben talked to me earlier in the week and thought he wasn't going to be able to preach. So I have a set of notes, too. None of those were the same. It was each the speaking of the Spirit of God through three individuals taking the same passage of Scripture. And that's the beauty of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's what makes it so awesome. And we need to just rejoice in that. This morning we got word from Stephanie that we need to stack the chairs. So we don't want you to get out of practice. We haven't had to do that every week since the pandemic. But so just as you're leaving, if you would stack the chairs, then we're going to move them off to the side so that they can clean up the floors because of the muddy parking lot. So let's pray. Father, it's good to be in your house today with your people, to hear your spirit speak to us through the word, to lift our hearts in song to you. And it's just a joy to be your children and enjoy the fellowship that we have. We ask your blessing on this week to come. May we be found faithful in our walk before you. May we be led by your spirit to minister and to reach out to to those that are around us. And may we fan into flame the gift that you placed within each one of us that brings glory to you and builds your body. I pray this in your name. Amen.